0: Please turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. As we bring this series to a conclusion, I want to firstly quickly go over what we've learned so far, and secondly circle back to why we are to share our hope with others. Remember again that we began this series by looking at the fact that the early church not only met in the temple, but from house to house as well. The scripture reference was Acts chapter 2, verse 46, where it said again, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Please take note of the words, the temple. Okay? So that was a place where they met publicly. And it was a group. And then it went on to say, And breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, when it talked about breaking bread, it wasn't talking about communion. A couple of verses before it talked about communion, but this is, notice that it, it said that in and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, which means they were fellowshipping. Yeah. Amen? So we know that there is a, <laughs> we talked about this, you know, there is something about food. You have food at a place and everybody wants to come. You know, it's just it's just an invitation. I mean you you, you mention food and people will turn up. And and it also relaxes people. You know, people relax to eat. They don't eat stressed. They usually relax, and that's the whole point. Amen? And so that is something that we looked at as well. Also, uh, in Acts chapter twenty and verse twenty, we just to give you just one more uh, scripture reference. Remember, the apostle Paul was talking, and he said, "How I kept nothing back, uh, so, excuse me, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house." So we again see that there is a place for public. Ministry and a place for friendship evangelism, okay? And, and um, fellowshipping in, in your home. Hallelujah. Following this, we went on to look at lengtheners and strengtheners. Now, I want to bring that up once again because we kind of, <laughs> I don't want us to forget this, because there are some people in the body that I call lengtheners. Those are people that like to evangelize, like to reach out, like to, you know, uh, what I've said here, lead people to the Lord. All right? But then there are strengtheners. Those are the ones that love to grow people in the Lord. Okay, so, you know, there's, we need both. We need those who are excited to bring people in, and then we need those who are excited to grow them up. Hallelujah. Amen. So don't feel bad if you, if you think, well, you know, I'm not so much into sort of, you know, sharing my faith and bringing people to the Lord, so to speak. Okay. But dear Lord, if they once they're in, I can talk to them. <laughs> okay. I can, I can really get them to a place where they are strong and, you know, just fighting the enemy and overcoming everything and so on and so forth. Praise God. Amen. So, you know, what we, what we don't want to do is have either group look down on the other, because I know the strengtheners look at the lengtheners, sometimes they go, well, you know what, they just get people saved, and then they drop them like a hot potato and walk off, yeah, yeah, that's for you to take over, okay, they did their job, now what are you going to do yours, they're going to complain about what they didn't do, <laughs> anyway, moving on, after this, we went to look at Paul's method of uh, evangelism. Remember that was in 1 Corinthians chapter nine, in verses nineteen through twenty-three. Where I'm going to read these verses very very quickly. Where he said again, "For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all." This is the mindset that we adopt when we are when we are reaching out. Okay, he said, "I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more." Verse 20, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Notice his motivation is to win them. Okay, verse 21, to those who are without law. He says as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win again those who are without law. Verse 22, to the weak, I became as weak. He didn't say I became weak. Please notice the word there, okay? He said, I became as weak, all right? And then he said that I might win the weak. Notice then he says in uh, the latter end of verse 22, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. He is going out of his way to, to win people, amen? And he says in verse 23, he says, this is his motivation. He says, now this I do for the gospel's sake. It's not for his sake, it's not for anything else, it's not for religion, it was for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. This method of evangelism, again, helped us understand the proper mindset that should accompany any kind of evangelism we engage in. With, remember John MacArthur, I just wanted to give you this one quote, explaining again that Paul became all things to all men, that he might by all means save some. He did not compromise the gospel. He would not change the least truth in the least way in order to satisfy some. Did you get that? Yeah. He didn't compromise the gospel, okay? But he would condescend in any way to anyone if that would in any way help bring them to Christ. So he would just kind of, you know, if he needed to get down on his knees and scrub floors while talking to somebody, he would do that. He wouldn't say, well, this is beneath me, (laughs) all right? We just become all things to all people. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things that we need to learn is and we need to stop idolizing and worshiping, you know, intellect or uh, positions or anything like that. He went on to say he would never set aside the, a truth of the gospel, but he would gladly restrict his liberty in the gospel. He would not offend Jew, Gentile, or those considered weak. So, you know, he just did everything to just do as much as he could to work with them, walk by their side, and then gently, (laughs) remember again, we talked about it in Proverbs, guide them to where they need to go. What we must not do is come, you know, come at people head on and have collisions, because that's what a lot of evangelism does. It just goes head to head with people, And you end up in a collision and people get hurt. What you want to do is come alongside and then gently bring them back. Amen? And help them find the truth. And remember again, you're not alone. You've got all of heaven and God and everything else talking to them over and above what you say. And I said to you before, if you come at this with the word of God, then God will confirm his word with signs following. Amen. Just know that if you minister the word in any way or form, then God will have something that he will confirm. What we must not do again is be careful that we, we're not sort of, uh, uh, you know, preaching doctrine. Religion. This is how we do it. <laughs> we don't care how you do it. We need to know what the word of God says. Amen. Okay, moving on. Having established, we, uh, established this, we went on to look at what we called... Oikos evangelism. Now, this is really important, all right? Which was, for lack of a better term, friendship evangelism. All right? As brought on in Acts chapter 10. So go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 24. Following, remember Peter's housetop vision? All right? And Cornelius has a vision himself and is told to go and send for Peter. All right? And so these men come to Peter, and it says in Acts 10 24, they that is, Peter and his companions, arrived in Caesarea the following day after being invited, Cornelius, watch this now, it says, Cornelius was waiting for him and had called together his relatives and close friends to meet Peter. This is the New Living Translation, okay? But it brings it out so clearly. Notice what he did. He called his relatives and his close friends. This is a home fellowship. Okay, this was the beginning of a home fellowship you, All you do is, sometimes that's all you need to do You know, you might say, I don't know how to share the gospel You know how to invite a person? Come eat food at my house There you go, you done it <laughs> Okay, and, and you know, once they come you know, don't, don't bring them under false pretenses But just say, look, we're, we're having a little gathering Would you like to join us? You know, we share a bit of the gospel And pray for people And you know, we're just there to help out if you're interested. You know, everybody has problems. I told you this before. Okay, and what you're doing is inviting them to a place where maybe, maybe they can get some of those things solved. Amen. Maybe they won't have to carry those things alone anymore. That's what you're doing. Amen? Amen. And this is, this is so important because this is what we're headed for. All of this is so that we can move toward home fellowships. All right? And, and know how to approach people the right way know that we're not there to tell him this is how it is and you better do it our way or else. Okay, that's, that's why we looked at the way um, Paul evangelized. He became all things to all people. I think this is one of the biggest problems we have is we just don't know how to chat to people. You know, we, we're all freaking out about, do I say Jesus now or later? You know, seriously. We just don't know to say how are you doing. But there was, Jesus was in the sentence Dude, cool your jets Okay, just say how you're doing and, and let them talk Remember I said, tell me more You know, find out, let them talk They're looking for some place to dump People just <laughs> I told you this before You know, people it's, We have an epidemic on our hands But people stop listening And we need to listen We need to learn to listen. You know, that means that you listen to what they say and you pick up on things. There'll be little cues in what they say. And if you listen closely enough, you'll pick up on those cues. But you need to be listening. Today, people listen, you know, with the intent of when are they going to stop talking so I can say what I want to say. That's not what we do. Amen. All right. I want to talk to you more, but I've got so much to get through today. Okay, so and I want to give you this overall picture. So this, is, this was really important that we understand about friendship evangelism because this is our next step, all right, what they did here. I think it's just brilliant that we, we allow people to come into a non-threatening environment. You know, people are more likely to come to your home because they know you than go to a church they've never been to. Can I get amen on that? Okay? Because they trust you, they know you, and they know you. And I pray that you won't hurt them. (laughs) Okay? That you'll be nice to them and be sweet to them and love them. And whatever experience they have, it'll be a nice experience. It won't be a religious experience. Amen? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, Let me just read this. So here again, we saw the beginnings of a home fellowship and made the point that sometimes all you need to do is just invite your friends and family and let God do the rest through his anointed ministers. Amen. And we know the result was that they were all saved and filled with the Spirit. I mean, this was an incredible thing. Verses 44 through 46, I'm reading from the New King James. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. All of Cornelius's family and friends got the Holy Spirit And it says, and those of the circumcision circumcision who believed were astonished. These are the people with Peter, okay? They're like Jews going, what's going on here? All right, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Hallelujah. All right, and verse 46, the first part says, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's how they knew that the Holy Spirit had fallen on all these Gentiles. And the Jews are going, I thought that was just for us. (laughs) Amen. And it was for everybody, for God so loved the world. Hallelujah. So again, this was oikos evangelism or friendship evangelism. And what, again, I said we will be majoring on in our home fellowships, where we could get our friends and family saved in a friendly, again, non-threatening, welcoming environment. After this, we looked at the five confidence boosters. I don't want to go through those. Just quickly. Okay, very quickly. What are the five? Everybody has the basic same basic longings that I do. Everybody has the same questions I do. And again, this remember I, I told you in, in context, this is before you came to the Lord. You know, you've had all of those things answered now. But you need to remember back to when you did have them. And the people still have those unanswered questions, unanswered longings. Amen? Third one I said again. Most people don't really know what they believe. They contradict themselves. And you need to listen for those contradictions. And don't attack them with it. (laughs) Okay? Remember, we're loving them, not attacking them. Okay, I used to do that. I was a champion. I had to repent lots and lots. Uh, Number four was anyone can be saved if I listen for the key to their heart. That key is usually their unmet need or hidden hurt. So that is a big thing, you know. Again, like I said, listening is a key thing in all of this. Listen, listen and you know, you, you remember the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. People are constantly exposing their heart to you without you even realizing it. But it won't happen in the first two minutes. It takes time. Amen? The first two minutes, all you're going to do is get the weather and, you know, <laughs> okay, whatever. It will just be surface talk. But if you give them enough time, They'll go deeper. Remember, we talked about it in, Pro, in Proverbs, that people sort of like deep wells. It'll go deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, my wife, Emily, is just a champion at pulling things out of people. She would just get things out of people. I mean, people don't, don't, don't even want to talk. She'll get them talking for half an hour. And I'm like going, can we go now? <laughs> you know? I'm, I'm just being honest. All right, I'm one of those. Let's get it done and let's get out of here. You know, <laughs> but with her, she, she you know, I, I, you know, she listens to people, and she picks up on things. And so much of the time I go, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, because I wasn't listening, was I? I want to be somewhere else. So I've had to learn to slow down as well, and I allow her to talk because I realize that's a ministry. All right, okay. You know, I'll just, I know it's not a family series, but you know, let me just say this very quickly. She's God's daughter before she's my wife. That's right. Amen. You all get that? So I need her to do what she was called to do before, you know, she does what's convenient for me. Because I'll have to answer to that. Anyway, moving on. This is a happy thought, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> Confident boost number five. People have excuses, but we have God's Holy Spirit and the truth. Remember again, that regardless of what excuses they make about, oh no, I, I have my own beliefs and everything else. Remember that you've got God. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got all of heaven behind you. Amen. Don't be afraid. You know just but don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it because you feel like you have to do something. Please be led by the Spirit. Amen. Amen. And if you find that, you know, all you can do, you might you might be looking at somebody going, "Dear Lord, you need Jesus." You know, like you really need God. Your life is just spiraling out of control. You know what's sad? A lot of Christians' lives are that way too. So, you know, one of the things that's important that you do is get your life together. Amen? And you need to, you know, because remember again, you are an epistle read by everyone. What are they reading? I look at so many Christians and even family, you know, that are Christians. And I think you can't minister to anybody. And yet you're saying, you need Jesus. And they're looking at you going, why? He ain't helping you. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Why do I need Jesus if he's not doing anything for you? Yes, we live in a fallen world. Yes, we, we face troubles and problems and everything else. But dear God, you know, our life should some way, somehow, kind of be more in the winning category than in the losing category. Can I get a little amen on that one? Okay. I'm not asking for a lot, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> and you know, let me just say this as well. We're not saying that we live perfect lives And that when you come to Jesus You won't have any more problems In fact, your problems probably going to increase But also the help increases Also the number that is with you increases Hallelujah The power increases Everything on your side increases And you can lay waste to the enemy If you get the right message and the right word Hallelujah We then went on to look at Six practical steps to evangelism Remember, live it, learn it Guide them, you know, I said, you know, like, apologize for not sharing sooner. Listen first, ask questions, share your stories. Finally, bring them to worship. All right, so now, <clears throat> to finish, I just want to go through a couple of reasons. I think it's about four reasons why we, all, why we need to do this. Okay, number one, everybody needs Jesus. Is that like a basic thing? <laughs> okay, that's the reason why Jesus died on the cross. You know, we need him. We need what he did. Hallelujah. And especially what it says in Matthew chapter 11. Let's go there very quickly. I want to read it to you from two different versions. One is from the New Living Translation, and then I'm going to read the Message Translation. From the New Living Translation, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Oh. Just listening to those words makes me happy. The New Living Translation again, okay? And it's Matthew 11, verse 28, and I'll be going through to verse 30. All right. So, (laughs) notice again, who doesn't need this? Especially today, you know, we are carrying burdens, and people are just carrying weight—the weight of not. You know, remember, (laughs) you know, Sister Vanda, and I think also. Uh, Brother Blonde both made the same point that there's all these crises going on right now. You know, there's this crisis and that crisis. You know, it's another way of saying people are freaking out. They are not restful. And notice one of the things that Jesus says, if you are in that place, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. He didn't say, go to church and I'll give you rest. Now, I want to make this point. Be careful that you don't get this wrong. He says, Come to me. There are people in church today that are worrying. Because they went to church but they didn't go to the Lord. You know, they're sitting in a pew or in a chair, and the you know, they're not in relationship with God while they're sitting. They're just there because bless God, I got dragged in here by my wife or <laughs> whatever, or my mother dragged me in here because I have to go to church. Okay, and there's no relationship at all. And they just endure the sermon. And go, thank God that's over for this week, (laughs) okay? There is no relation, and the Lord isn't speaking to them, and, you know, there's nothing going on in there. So I want you to notice something that, remember I said to you again, we are not bringing religion to people, we are bringing people to the Lord. Amen? And they need to have a relationship with Him. You know, He'll get them to go to church and everything else. You You just need to introduce them to Him. He'll do the rest. Told you, don't try to clean the fish before you catch it. Amen. Okay. All right. So again, notice he says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that beautiful? He says my yoke is different. You know, the world's yoke just just buries you with it. It crushes you. But my yoke does something else. It brings you peace and brings you rest. Oh, hallelujah. I want to put that one on. (laughs) Okay, amen. Do you know why? You know the kind of yoke he's talking about? It's not a a, a yoke for one. It's a yoke for two. You see, in the old days, what used to happen is they would have, you know, uh, oxen that would be joined by this yoke so that they would share the burden. What religion did was they took the yoke, the whole thing and put it on one person. Nobody sharing nothing. And they said, you have to carry this burden. Jesus says, come to me. I will share this with you. And you know what he does? I always picture this. You know, have you ever seen when when people are trying to lift something and carry something and, and there's one short guy and his feet are off the ground? He's not helping at all. (laughs) Everybody else is lifting. And he's like, yeah, me too. No, dude, you're hanging. Okay? okay. I always see that. And I think, you know, so much of the time, that's what Jesus does. His yoke is so light. He's so strong that sometimes he just lets us just dangle. He says, you know what? Take a break. I'll carry it for a while. And that's the kind of yoke that we get attached to, so to speak. Amen. Hallelujah. I always remember that was footprints in the sand. You all, Anybody read that? Okay. You know, when, they, when somebody's going through trouble, there's two sets of prints. And then suddenly there's only one set. And the person goes, God, what happened? In my worst time, why is there only one set of prints in the sand? Where were you? And he said, that was me carrying you. I love that. <laughs> Amen. All right. Verse 30 says, for my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. God doesn't put heavy burdens on people. Amen? I, uh, from the message translation in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, I love this. <laughs> it says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Don't you love this? <laughs> okay? He says, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, I like that. Isn't that beautiful? I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says, keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Those are words you can take to bed with you. You know, go to sleep happy. Amen. Freely and lightly. All right. Second thing. Second reason why we do this. Jesus commands us. (laughs) Okay. I want to give you the good news first. But, you know, it it is also a command. Um, Now, we saw... What he said in Matthew 28, 19, where he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But beyond this, in Mark chapter 8, verse 38, he also said this, and I want to share this with you as well. He said, if a person is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. Now, notice he didn't say that they won't go to heaven. He said, I'll just be ashamed. I think Jesus is coming back for a lot of saints that he's going to be ashamed of. like, <laughs> really? You took my life and did that with it? People read this and think they lost their salvation, but they didn't. Are you going to make the Lord happy when he comes back? Or <laughs> are you going to be one of those things that he just shakes his head at? I pray all of you He'll be happy when he comes back. In Jesus' name, amen. All right? (laughs) So the question becomes, do you care more about what people think than about what God thinks? Are you more worried about your reputation than than their salvation? We need to ask these questions, amen? I've said here, if you are, maybe you don't really have a friendship with God yet. Maybe you need to get to know him a bit better. You know, I don't want to put condemnation on you. I just want you to know this. Look, you know, this isn't about, oh, I'm that person, how, I'm ashamed. No, no, no. Just get to know him a bit more. You're not ready to go share him with others. Get to, get to know him more. This is what, sadly, this is what a lot of evangelists do. They make you feel guilty that you better go out there. You better say something. That person's going to go to hell because you didn't say anything. You know, and so you are not prepared, you don't have the friendship that you need, and it all goes wrong. Then you don't ever want to do that again. We never want that to happen. All of this is a process. If you need time, take time. Identify that you need to get close to the Lord. Identify the fact that maybe you're a little bit distant from Him and you didn't realize that. Maybe you're afraid to share because you're alone in your sharing. He's not with you. Because if you're friends with him, he'll be with you. He'll be talking to you. And what he says to you is what you will share with others. That's anointed. Get it? Okay. All right. Pray this is all helping you. I have to read you one other scripture very quickly. I'm sorry. I know we run out of time, but I got to get through this, okay? Not much to go. In Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 29, <clears throat> even the apostle Peter himself, who was once ashamed of Jesus and even denied him three times, when we get to this chapter and these verses, we find that he has changed radically. It says, when they brought the apostles in before the Jewish council, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, Acts 5, 27 through 29. It says in verse 28, Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? The high priest demanded. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus, and you intend to blame us for his death. Verse 29, But Peter and the apostles replied, Listen to what they said. We must obey God rather than men or human authority. That was it, as far as they were concerned. We don't care what you say, man. When it comes to this, now we'll keep the laws of the land and everything else, but when it comes to God, when it comes to our Lord, we have to listen to Jesus. You know, they heal somebody. Something happened, something miraculous happened. And these religious people said, shh, don't tell anybody why, why it did Are you kidding? Everybody knows anyway. You know, religion is so stupid, isn't it? Sorry, I use that word, but I'm saying it. You know, it's just somebody gets healed and they're trying to keep it quiet. I know the healed guy won't shut up. Right. <laughs> you know, and his family, who are just <laughs> carrying on about it. <laughs> Amen. Ugh. Number three, reason. <laughs> we are grateful to God and we love people. Now, there are two things here. We, the, the, what, the reasons we do this. Number one, we are grateful to God. You know, God has done so much for us. And we say, God, how can I thank you? Share the good news with others. Amen? Don't force it on others. Share it with others. It's up to them whether they take it or leave it and don't get upset if they leave it, if they reject it. Don't worry about it. Your job is to just share. Your job is to say, there is a solution. There is someone that will give you peace and rest. Oh, I don't believe in that church stuff. Did I say church? Did I ever mention church? No, I'm talking about God. And you having a relationship with him. Forget about everything else. Just have a relationship with him. Start there. Amen? Do you want that? See, that's a whole other question, isn't it? Okay. Now, some don't. Because they're, they're too happy living a life that is displeasing to God and they don't want to give it up. And if you run into a person like that, you can't force them. To change. All you can do is say there is better and this life will lead to destruction somewhere down the line. Because it will say when the day comes and you need help, this is all you need to do. Okay, simple as that. They'll remember your voice. Okay, so I've got second Corinthians 514. Again, this is reason number three. We are grateful to God and we love people. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says for, uh, in the NIV, it says, For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love for what? For people. It compels us. It really drives us to share with others what we know. Amen? And it says, Because we are convinced that Christ died for all. He didn't die just for you. He died for everybody, which means the price has been paid for everybody, which means everybody has access to God, which means everybody can live in this blessing. Amen. Amen. All right. We see this expressed, you know, (laughs) in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. It's very sad what Jesus says here, but I want you to hear his heart. He says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers from the New Living Translation, excuse me. Again, Matthew 23, 37 from the New Living Translation. He says, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. You know, there are some people that just won't let him, but his heart is still there to bring him in He's not mad at people He isn't going Well you know what You want to live that way Just go die <laughs> You know we, You know our flesh Does bad things Doesn't it But that's And then sometimes we say, Sometimes we say God just said that No that was you God is long suffering But there will come a time When that ends It's called judgment day Amen Okay I know I have to finish this dude Alright Reason number four, <laughs> okay? Oh, remember again John 3 16, for God so loved the world. That never changes. Amen? That, that is a key verse. And it shows God's heart. And it should be our heart. Reason number four, we will be rewarded in heaven. Duh. <laughs> okay? Do you know this has eternal rewards attached to it? Because the person you get saved will be with you in heaven. Ta da! In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, first of all, it says this. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Now, another translation puts it this way. Good people give life to others like a fruit-bearing tree, and those who save souls are wise. If you want to bear fruit and become wise and leave a lasting legacy behind, do what we've been talked about. Share your hope and save souls. Amen? This is a lasting legacy. Remember the Apostle James? In James chapter 1, I want to read this quickly. And the latter half of verse 25, it says, if you do what God's word says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See, remember the blessing of God is on you whenever you obey his word. There's a blessing on you. Okay? Okay? Hallelujah! People say, "How do I get blessed?" Well, just do what he says. <laughs> Immediately, there's a blessing. All right. <laughs> um, also, in Romans chapter five, verse ten, the Apostle Paul writes and says, "For since we were restored to friendship with God." But, oh, this is the New Living Translation, Romans 5, 10, New Living Translation. Sorry, guys, I'm doing a New Living Translation for all of them. It says, for since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. This is great news. This is what you're saving people from. Amen? And you're just letting them know. And can I just say this? whatever you do for God and I want to finish with this whatever you do for God God remembers God rewards and you will be blessed throughout all eternity whatever you do for yourself whatever you do out of selfishness will end when you end What do we want to enter eternity with? Amen? Now, let me just say this as we conclude. Yes, we're done. (laughs) Our motivation is love. We're not here to attack people. We're here to love people. We're here to bless people. And we want to invite them into blessing, into a relationship with God. We're not inviting them to religion. We're not pushing them to go to church or anything else. They should, but we're not pushing them to do any of those things. We just want to introduce them to God. Come meet our God. The woman at the well says, come meet a man who knew everything about me. She just invited people. And they said... Now we believe not because of her, but because of him. <laughs> you know, okay, you. This is this is evangelism. This is oikos. This is a friendship. This is non-threatening. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say more, but we're so over time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for just everything that we have learned. You have taught us so much over the last 15 weeks. And I thank you, Lord, that we just remember these things and revisit those lessons as we need. And, Father, I thank you that it allows us to come to a place where we do things in a way that pleases you and that is restful to us. That you never wanted us to step out of your anointing to do these things, out of your peace to do these things, And even if people say harsh things toward us, misunderstand our our heart and our motivations, that we forgive, that we remain in peace, that we don't allow the enemy to attack our minds with things that we might have said wrong or they said or whatever, we just thank you that we learn to roll all our cares upon you. That we just do the best that we can And that we know that you will bless Every effort that we make Hallelujah I thank you that in the coming weeks Lord That you will help us With all of this Help us establish Home fellowships and everything that we're going to be Doing in this next season As you begin To grow your kingdom. Not for life, but your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen.